All right, so in the book of Job this evening, we're going to be in Job chapter number 42. Job chapter number 42. And I'll read one verse of scripture uh, to get us started this evening. Uh, but we are going to look into Job chapter number 1 in just a few moments. And uh, then we will spend the remainder of our time in Job chapter number 42. Uh, I'm going to bring a Bible study tonight along the same thoughts as I did uh, last Wednesday night and last Sunday night. And I feel uh, uh, impressed with the Lord a couple uh, weeks ago to, to do this, jump out of another series, get in uh, to some of these lessons and truths. And uh, there are uh, things that a Christian deals with. Well, everything that we deal with as a Christian is, is uh, we're given instruction from the Word of God. We're given help from the Word of God. Um, I hope that we understand and realize that in these tumultuous times that we live, we have been helped from the teachings of what the Bible says is going to take place and is taking place. Um, there's one area that I've been burdened about and um, that I think that we, pastors don't speak enough on. We as Christians uh, don't take the time to look in the Word of God. And it's the, it's the subject of grief, it's the subject of sorrow, it's the subject of loss. And uh, the Bible says so much about that. God created everything about us. Uh, he created our emotions, He created uh, the way we respond to things. And so therefore, He has given us a book to help us deal with things that we see in life. And so uh, we're going to look at another one, uh, a lesson this evening. And, and uh, I'm, I've been praying about certain things, and I think uh, there's such an avenue to help people uh, with these subjects. I think there's a lot of people who can be one to Christ uh, because there's a lot of hurting people, and Jesus is the answer for that. There's a lot of hurting Christians uh, that they can stay in the fight. They can stay in their race. Uh, they get the help they need from the Word of God. All of us are going to face adversity. Help, help me with this tonight, and if you, if you don't mind. Uh, who, who has ever uh, had, a, had a loss, had sorrow, broken heart, burden, unexpected? You've dealt with grief in your life. Let me see your hand. Well, that's pretty much everybody. Um, and if you didn't raise your hand, uh, just live a little bit longer and, and you'll raise it and we'll all raise it again too because that's just the way life is. That does not mean that we should be defeated. It does not mean that there's not a reason behind it. Now tonight is, is a study that the, the Lord, in my, in my personal study, it was one of those times when he just kind of, Spirit of God just kind of smacks you in the side of the head, and you're like, why have I never realized that before? That makes so much sense. But it's going to go against a lot of thinking. Because we don't do enough teaching on this subject, we're influenced by the philosophies of this world. We're influenced by, by the secular beliefs of this world. The Bible trumps secular beliefs. Uh, the Bible trumps psychology, and the Bible tells us how to deal with uh, these things. And so uh, I, want, I want you to stay with me tonight, and I believe there's a truth. Uh, the points at the end of the message, I'll give you the four points. Uh, a lot of that will just be listing because I'm going to walk us through uh, a portion of the story of Job that's going to bring us to the truth uh, that I want us to walk away with. And if we can grasp this truth, when things come in our life that we didn't anticipate... When things come in our life that cause us to grieve, 
we can look to this truth and we can apply it to that situation and it'll help us. Uh, it'll help us discern what God is trying to do in our life. Look at me, Job 42. If you know much about the book of Job, this is a familiar verse in the book of Job, chapter number 10. Job 42, verse 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. We'll talk more about Job in just a moment, but in a nutshell, Job had a lot. The Lord took it away, and God gave it all back. Now, there's so much more to the story that we, ha- we don't have time for this evening, but there's a truth in here that I want us to get. The title of this study tonight is The Means, the End, and the Byproduct of Grief. Let me say that again. The means, the end, and the byproduct of grief. It's very important that we look at any situation that we identify things correctly. But especially when it comes to, because a lot of times we say, look what the Lord's doing, and God has nothing to do with that. We've just assumed. And even when God is doing things in our life, many times we assume He's doing something He's not doing. And sometimes, many times, he's always working in our life. And if we can narrow this down in using the life of Job, I believe this will be a great help to us this evening. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the fact that we have the truth that will guide us. I'm thankful this book tells me how I should believe doctrinally. It tells me uh, the truths of salvation. It tells me uh, so many things that are vital to the life of a Christian. But it also tells me how to handle hurts. It tells me how to handle disappointments. It tells me how to handle uh, the things that an individual goes through. And Father, may all of us look to the Word of God this evening. May we grasp this truth. May we file it away. May when adversity comes, we recall uh, what your Word says so that uh, we can be helped and you can do a work in our life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hold your place in Job 42 and look with me in Job chapter number 1. If you will, we will be coming back uh, for a good portion of the message in Job chapter number 42. But I want us to see some things in Job chapter number 1 and be reminded of these things. And they'll set the the groundwork for us to get to the truth that I believe the Lord has for us this evening. In verse number 1, of Job chapter 1, the Bible says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day, and sent his called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. It was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now Job was the kind of man that... He wanted to offer the sacrifices just in case his kids didn't have the right relationship with God. That he would offer them on their behalf. 
The Bible says he was a perfect man. It doesn't mean he was sinless. He was a, a complete man. He was upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. He hated it. He walked the way that a Christian should walk. He walked the way that a man trying to please God with every action of his life walked. We, the Bible tells us he had 10 children. The Bible tells us that he was very, very wealthy. Then we have an interesting account of Satan coming into the presence of God and accusing uh, man. And the verse, look at me, verse number uh, uh, seven. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance has increased in the land. Okay, this is very, very important. Take note of this in verse number 10. Even Satan recognized Job and his character, but even Satan recognized how God had blessed him. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance has increased in the land. Satan knows who God is blessing. Satan knows why God is blessing. Verse 11, But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Okay, it's very important, but stay with me. We have Job, the wealthiest man on the planet at the time. Job, the best man on the planet at the time. He was the man that when Satan came into uh, the presence of God and Satan was uh, walking to and fro on the earth, God said, let me talk to you about Job. Uh, Job is a perfect and upright man. And, of course, Satan comes back, oh, it's because you've blessed him so much. You've got a hedge of protection about him. You have given him so much. And God, of course, we know the story says, okay, you can do anything. And, he says, and Satan says, if you take that hand of protection off of him, he'll curse you. And God says, you can do anything but take his life. And we have in verse number 13, and there was a day. I'll not read all the scripture, but I'll tell you what's taking place. Many of you know what takes place. His children were eating together. Verse 14, And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell you. That's a bad day. Verse number 16, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Verse 17, While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. You ever feel like everything's coming on you at one time? Not like Job had everything at one time. Look at verse 18. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. 
And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Now, let me, let me remind you of some things, because it's important for us to, to, to re remember this. Job was the most righteous man. Job was the most blessed man. God chose to bless Job. Satan accuses the brethren, and God says, hey, have you considered Job? Of course, we know, I've already mentioned too, we see it in the Scripture. Job says, or, or, um, Satan says, the only reason why he, he blesses you like he does is because you have blessed him so mightily. And if Satan recognizes what God has given, it's, it's important for us to be reminded that God's blessings are real, and God's blessings were bestowed upon Job. And God gave him permission to do anything that he would to, because Satan said he will curse him. Now, why, why would God allow that to happen? I don't know all the reasons why, because we don't know the mind of God. But God proves his servants. God proves his children. It's one thing for a young man and a young lady to say, I'll do whatever God wants me to do. I'll go wherever he wants me to go. That's easy to say. God says, I'm going to prove you. For a child of God to say, I'll serve God no matter what, God will prove you. God is going to prove Job. Job has all of these tragedies thrust on him at one time. Job's reaction is what I would hope our reaction would be. His initial reaction was really, is really a standard for the child of God. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The next many chapters are a conversation between Job's friends and Job. His friends come to him and, in a nutshell, want Job to confess what he has done to call down the judgment of God. Job, I guess you're not who we thought you were. Why is it that you're this way? And Job went from, blessed be the name of the Lord, to defending himself against the accusations of what Job called miserable comforters. Instead of comforting him, as Job, won't you just fess up? Because for all of your wealth to be taken away, the way it was taken away, at the same time it was taken away, and the same time God took your children, there's got to be a problem with you. This conversation goes back and forth, and Job gets a little bit more forceful in his defense. And then when you get to around chapter number 39, chapter number four, 38, actually, 
God interjects himself into these conversations. And God rebukes Job. He says several times, gird your loins, I'm going to require of you. What he was saying is said, you be, okay, stand up here, man up. You're going to face me man to man. I'm going to see if you want to stand and answer with the things that you said. God reminds him of who God really is. Okay? This is important for us to remember, to grasp the truth that I want us to see tonight. Where Job started, he was the most righteous man. He was, if I can say it like this, God's pet. God had blessed him like he had blessed no one else, and Satan comes after him, and God did not do these things to Job. But God allowed these things to happen in Job's life. And God is going to use what Satan was behind happening to do something in the life of Job. Even when things take place, when we take things out of the hands of God, and there's a ripple effect from that, God still uses that to work in the life of a child of His. During the normal course of life, there are heartaches. The book of Ecclesiastes reminds us of that. God does not... Life causes some of these. Life is some of these things. Sometimes we say, look what God did. Life did it. Look what God did. It happened when man sinned in the Garden of Eden, and it's a result of sin. But God uses things, like in this situation, Satan was behind. God allowed it to happen, but God's also going to use it. God used this opportunity to take a man that the Bible calls perfect and upright a man that has shewed evil, a man that went so far that just in case my kids have something in their heart, I'm going to offer a sacrifice on their behalf. God rebukes Job, beginning of chapter number 42. That continues, then he gets to Job's friends. And he tells Job's friends, that he's not very pleased with them. He, he, into this day, can I just interject, he doesn't like Pharisees who use the opportunity of a child of God laying, languishing in, in, in the ash heap mourning to try and pontificate why they're there. And in an, in an essence, he says... You've got a whole lot of sacrificing to do to make things right with me. Then he gets to verse number 10. Please don't miss this. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. I remind you of the title of the study tonight. The means, the end, and the byproduct of grief. Grief is a means to an end. 
Some may say that grief or sorrow, let's say, well, let me just define the means is how do we get to a certain destination? I'm Lord willing, when we leave in about an hour and a half, I'm going to get in my car and they just slip right under through some of you. So I'm going to get in my car, and the means I'm going to use to get to my destination is that vehicle. The end is the destination. The end is the purpose. The byproduct is the result of. There's a lot of, there's a lot of words that we can use for grief, but grief is a good word that catches them all. And so when we talk about the means, the ends, and the byproduct, it's important for us to understand what that is. Grief is not the end. Grief is the means to an end. It's not correct to say that grief is a byproduct of tragedy. Somebody faces tragedy in their life, or somebody gets a bad doctor's report, or somebody has disappointment, or somebody wrongs them. They would say, I am grieving. That's a byproduct of that action. I disagree. Because grief is the means to get us from one destination to another. It's not the byproduct of what has taken place. Because God is always going to try to do a greater purpose with even the negative things that take place in our life. So grief has a purpose which makes it to the the, the means to an end. I'll use an illustration. Well, let me make this statement, then I'll use an illustration. As Christians, we know that the end is for God to accomplish His purpose and will in our lives. God wants, is the works in our life and wants us to become more and more and more like Christ. There are times when this, this book tells us there's some things that we should do, and it's not a Baptist rule, it's so that we can be more like Christ. This pastor should not have to preach against certain things because we've got all that settled because we just want to be like Jesus. We'll fail, we'll come short, but God will do things in our life to help us get there when we won't do it for ourselves. Sometimes there's friends that we know we shouldn't have and God will do things to take them out of your life. Sometimes there are priorities that we should reshuffle and we won't do it and God will use events to reshuffle them. A lot of times we as Christians take church for granted and then governments mandate that you can't go to church. Well, we go to church. You get what I'm saying. There's the byproduct of what takes place. When our daughter, if you'll allow me to use our daughter Amanda as an illustration, when she passed away, we grieved. But that's not the byproduct of that because otherwise that would be the end. God's trying to get us to an end. God's trying to get us to to a destination. And part of what hurts us as a child of God is when something negative happens in our life, whether it be big picture, what takes place in our country, whether it be very personal to us, whether it be a disappointment, a betrayal, a burden, a, 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 some tragedy that takes place. What we tend to do is we all tend to look for the explanation now, I wonder what kind of explanations, Job, there, there's, there's 
chapter after chapter after chapter of explanations given by Job's friend and explanations given by Job, and none of them were accurate because none of them knew the conversation that took place when Satan entered into the presence of God. Just like you and I can suppose and look for explanations and look for some meaning, it's our tendency to do that. There's no way you and I can know what is in the mind of God. Because God is trying to get us to a destination to be more like Christ. And to do so, He's got to do a work in our life. Are you staying with me? Verse number 10, look at it again. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. I have heard this preached. I have preached it this way. I do not believe it is inaccurate. When he began to pray for his friends, he took his focus off of himself and put his focus elsewhere. I believe that's accurate. When he prayed for his friends, he couldn't do that without having a heart of forgiveness for his friends. I believe that's true. He could not have bitterness in his heart if he prayed for his friends. And by the way, if you're bitter at somebody, start praying for them every day and the bitterness will eventually go away. And if you are bitter at somebody, it's because you've never prayed for them or you're not currently praying for them. I believe that's accurate, but I believe there's something bigger that the Lord would have us to see this evening. Let me remind you where Job started. Job, if I can put it this way, had a perfect life. He had a relationship with God like nobody else had. He had the life, and the truth of the matter is, that's why his friends, I believe, was a big part of why they, 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 they acted the way they did, because they were envious and jealous of Job. Because his life was what everybody would want. He, God had blessed him with wealth. God had blessed him with a family. He, was, he had that relationship. That's where he was, full of blessings. And God allowed that to be taken away. From where he started, now we find him at the end of the story. Let us not forget the end of chapter number 1 when he rent his clothes. He proclaimed, blessed to the, is the name of the Lord. He began to grieve. He ends up in an ash heap. His body is inflicted. His own wife comes to him and says, just curse God and, and die. If there's anything that would cause a man to grieve, it's just all of these things that have taken place. Not one of them, but all of them. He responds the way he responds with these friends because of what he is feeling emotionally. I don't think he could explain what he could feel. But that brings us to verse number 10 of chapter number 42. The Lord turned the captivity of Job, and, and, and I'll make my four statements and we'll be done. Number one, Job's captivity was his grief. It was his sorrow. It was the feelings of, yes, bitterness, unforgiveness, questioning. That's what his captivity was all of his loss and all of his heartache was wrapped in that grief. It turned to captivity of Job. 
Let me say number two. The byproduct was the blessings and the end was trusting God. Look at verse number 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. Job began praying for his friends, and God went all the way back to chapter number 1 and gave him more than he had. Now, if we look at this on the surface, I'm going through a tough time. If I hang in there, and I don't hate these other people who say things to me, and I I pray for them, and God's going to give me twice as much. I'm going to get twice the job. I'm going to have twice the blessings. I'm going to have twice, and we did, because he did it for Job, and after all, God's not a respecter of persons. So the Lord blessed the latter end more than he, he gave you more at the end than he had before his trial. Let me explain this. The blessings were not the end. Trusting God was the end. And what God had to allow Job to go through is when he loses everything, it does not matter what your friends say, do you trust me? When he lost everything, it does not matter what you think, because all that Job's talking about what he thinks. No, i got to defend myself. i got to tell you what what, what is really going on, and I've done nothing wrong. And, And God reminds Job of, First of all, who he is, but also who Job is. And God says, in spite of all of this, the end is I want you to trust me whether you have the blessings or not. Do you trust me as much when you're sitting in the ash heap as you did when you were sitting in your house and your kids were eating a meal together? All of your flocks were on the hillside. Do you trust me the same now as you did before? The double the blessings was never the end. It was not, if you hang in there and you stay true, God will just heap all those blessings on you. I know a lot of different stories. Because that was not the end of what God was trying to do. The application to your life and to my life is when God allows us to go through things, the end is He wants us to trust Him no matter what. No matter what takes place in our nation, do we trust Him? No matter what takes place in your home, do you trust Him? No matter what takes place in your your life, do you trust Him? Well, pastor, these things took place and they're not fair. You think it was fair for Job? But God used it to get him to a place, the end of where I want, to, want you to go. Yes, Satan says, I wanna, I'm, I'm, I'll have him cursing you. And God used that as an opportunity to prove Job. To make Job better than he already was. See, here's, here's the difference that, that we, need to, we need to catch a hold of and be reminded of tonight. Even though we get satisfied of where we are in our Christian life, God's not satisfied where we are in our Christian life. Praise God how far I've come. God's not ready for you to stop. I thank God I'm not doing what I used to do. Praise God you're not doing what you used to do. But God wants you to go all the way. 
Well, I, I used to not be faithful to church. Now I'm faithful to church. Now, praise God. That's a step in the right direction. But why do we think because we've been saved for a certain length of time, we've done some things for the cause of Christ, that God is satisfied with where we are? No, He's going to continue to do things in your life, in my life, to better us, to make us better than we already are, to help us trust Him more. I have heard it said, if God took everything away from you like it took away from Job, would you get angry? And you get, would you get bitter? Would you quit? I think a better way with this in mind to ask that question, if God took everything away, would you trust Him? Job, in verse number 10, do you see it there? He did not know about verse number 12. When he was freed from his captivity, God freed him. When he began praying for his friends, when he took the focus off of himself, he said, okay, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to trust you, God. He didn't pray for his friends and give them an explanation of what really happened. He let God do that. He just said, God, I'm going to trust you. He, when he did that, he did not know he was, God was going to give him 10 more children. He did not know that God was going to give him all his wealth back. But I, I could just imagine the burden that got lifted off of him, a little bit of peace that he had with just saying, God, you're right. I wasn't there when you created everything. I'm going to trust you. And the same thing will happen in the life of a Christian when things come in that we don't understand, that break our heart, that burden us. We just say, I'm just going to trust you. The truth of the matter is, God will bless us if we don't quit. God will bless us. But that's not the end. The means is the point to get us to a place where we have that grief, those, those sorrows, uh, those, those feelings of inadequacy, how it how it affects us physically even to get to the place where we say, okay, God, I can't do it. I don't have an answer. I'm going to have to have you. The end is trusting God. The byproduct was the blessings. Notice verse number 10 again. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Now, wouldn't that be enough for God to turn that captivity can you imagine everything that Job must have been feeling and going through? I, I, I try, I've tried to imagine. I don't even think I can imagine it. Can't imagine it. And for him to get to a place with him and God to say, I'm going to let it all go. I don't have to have a reason. I don't have to have an explanation. I don't have to have justification in front of my friends or peers. I'm, my friend, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to quit feeling sorry for myself. And God, I'm just going to trust you. And God turned that captivity. If that was the end of the story, God's purpose would have been accomplished. Because God wanted Job to depend completely on him, whether he had wealth or not. Are you following me? But notice that word also. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. When Job got to the end, the byproduct was the blessings. See, a lot of times Christians never get the blessings as the byproduct because they never make it to the end. The blessings are the byproduct. The blessings in their mind are the end. You should not serve God so you can get the blessings. 
If you serve God, he will bless you. But many times he don't bless you like you and I want to be blessed. We want to be blessed with added zeros in our bank account, but God doesn't always bless us that way. We want to be blessed in certain ways, so we pursue the blessings. I'm going to do A, B, and C, so God will bless me. God keeps his word. If he says he'll bless for doing something, he'll bless. But that's not the end. That's not our goal. Our goal is to please God. Our goal is to serve him. And even in situations that we don't understand, the end is trusting God. The byproduct of trusting God, God says, I'm going to give you twice what you had. Because the end was not the blessings. Step number three. God uses grief caused by loss, hurt, sorrow to bring us to the end. He conveniently used those three friends, those conversations with his three friends, that debate over whose fault that was. Job would have never been in that situation if God hadn't allowed those things to take place in his life. And let's, let's be honest, when God has allowed things to come into our life, there's situations we find ourselves in that we never would have found ourselves in. There's conversations we have we never would have had if God not had allowed those things to take place, that sorrow, that loss, that tragedy, that disappointment. And it's because of those conversations God was able to get Job to a point where he could just get him to a place where he'd say, I'm just going to trust you. Another way, another a word to use for that trust in God is faith. That's how we please Him. God can give us and bless us and bless us and bless us and bless us, and we can increase our faith and increase our faith and increase our faith. But statement number four is this: grief works in the life of a Christian like nothing else. Grief works in the life of a Christian like nothing else. God knows how you think. Let me say it like this. God knows how you tick. God knows what you respond to. God knows what will get you out of an apathetic state. God knows what to touch to get your attention. So the result of these things... I'll use that grief, works in the life of a Christian like nothing else. Was, sometimes we might say as a Christian, well, if God would bless me and bless me and bless me and bless me, and God would do this and this and this, then I would completely trust Him. He knows you don't mean that. He knows your end is the blessings. That's not the end He wants to get you to, though. The end He wants to get you to is trusting Him. So he knows that for probably 99.9% of us, just blessing us is not going to be enough. But I put this in the same category as Job. Job, the only way he could prove Job was to take away everything that he had or allow everything to be taken away. And then Job got to the place where he, he could say, I trust you, God, no matter what circumstance I find myself in. I hope we filed this truth away and this thought away because 
even if we've experienced things in our life in the future, there's going to be times when we just don't have any explanation. We're dealing with things that we didn't see coming. We can't get a hold of them. We can't control them. I, I think one of the biggest frustrations Joe probably had, had was everything that he had controlled. He was even offering sacrifices for his kids. I get the picture that this was a man that had, had, had control over everything in his life. Now he doesn't have control over anything. God uses these events to get him to a place for the end. He used the powerful emotions of grief and sorrow to get him to a place where he says, I trust you. That is where he wants to get each and every one of us to a place where we trust him no matter what. Well, pastor, if that happens to me and I trust him, does that mean he'll give me twice as much? That's completely up to God. God chose to give Job twice as much, but he may not choose to do that for you and I. The byproduct is completely up to God. The end for you and I is to trust him completely. He will bless us if we trust him completely. But those blessings are the byproducts. It's a great day in the life of a Christian, and you can testify this. When we get to a place where we don't do it because I'm expected to, we don't do it because I have to, we do it because I love the Lord, I want to please Him, and I just want to be right with Him. And Job had had every relationship in his life tested and was even rebuked by God. He got to a place in his life where I'm just going to trust God. As long as I can place my trust in God, I'm going to trust him so much that I'm not going to debate with my friends anymore about why I'm here or why this happened. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to, I'm going to pray for them. When, we got, when it, that change of heart took place, it wasn't, you know, because I, maybe we've been there. I, I would probably, I can't think of a specific time but I could probably, it'd probably be safer for me to say this has happened in my own life than not. Pe- people wrong you, and you're like, well, as soon as Job started praying for them, God turned it. Lord, bless so-and-so and so-and-so and help them to have a good day. That's, that doesn't work. It was a change of heart for Job. And the prayers were really a manifestation of the heart that had changed. I wonder what would have happened when they first came to him if he didn't debate them. He just then said, I'm just going to pray for you. If that heart had been that way. But God had to use these circumstances to get him to that place. So uh, we need to be reminded that we should not look for explanations of why some things take place. I'll use what's take place in our, in our world, in our country in the last year. We always look for explanations, and quite simply, God's doing some things. And He uses things in ways that we would not use. But God uses things. You look at brothers and sisters in Christ, and you look at some of the burdens they have, and some of the things they go through, and you're like, I don't know why God's doing that. And the worst thing you can do is, I know why God's putting them through that. You don't know. 
I know, I know. And even when somebody has been away from the Lord and they face things, you don't know what God's chastising them. Just like I know a lot of Christians that are being blessed, and I don't know why that's happening either. We don't know the mind of God. God does things because God is trying to... If you're, if you're, good, if you're dealing with something today, there's something in your life, you can look back and say, I don't understand, I've had a hard time... You've just got to trust God. You've just got to trust Him. Job knew nothing about Satan entering in and said, He'll curse you. And God said, Okay, I'm going to prove Job. And He used what Satan was doing. He used something that somebody else was doing to work in Job's life to actually better him in a way that more blessings could not better him. He got him to the end to trust God. When God removes something from your life that's precious to you, say, Pastor, how do, we, how, do, how do I get to this? Do I do these two steps? Do I do this? Well, you know, some of that stuff may be helpful, may not be helpful, but it all boils down to you just got to trust God. I've been asked many, many times. I've had situations in my life. I've asked the question, I don't, I don't understand why. Why would this take place? Why would the people respond this way? Why would God allow these things? There's no way for us to understand, but I promise you this, there's an end he's trying to get us to. And it's the same every time. He wants us to trust him. God reminds Job, who is probably a better Christian than you and I, you don't know everything, Job. You don't know everything that I'm doing. You've got to trust me. The dangerous thing when a Christian is always trying to look for an explanation, it would help us to have some explanations sometimes. But who are we that God owes us an explanation for anything? We just have to trust Him. If God's working in your life, He's trying to get you to a place to make you more like Christ. And to do that, most of the time, He's got to use things where a byproduct is grief. A byproduct is sorrow. A byproduct is... Is, is suffering. A byproduct is those emotions that we many times don't know what to do with to get us closer and closer and closer to that point where we say, God, I'm just going to trust you no matter what. And it was then the byproduct was the blessings. The blessings were not the end. Let's not put our focus on the blessings. Our focus is on what should be on what pleases God, and that's me trusting Him no matter what. We as Americans, we're in God we trust. Well, let's, we've had a secular, godless government for a long, long time. Say, how long? Since like 1776? I mean, our government is only as good as the people in it. And it's, we have to, to trust God. What happens if all the things are taken from us that we have always held dear? Well, we ought to just continue to trust God. We just celebrated a 20-year anniversary for 9-11. Those of you that were around old enough to remember that, which is most of you probably in here, you remember everything that took place in our nation after that. That could have only happened by something like that taking place. God's doing some things in our nation right now that grieves my heart grieves my heart and it should grieve your heart 
as a Christian and as an American. But how many decades and centuries has he just poured his blessings out on America? And America just gets more apathetic, more apathetic, more apathetic. So God very well and probably is saying, okay, I'm gonna have, you're going to have some different emotions and feelings to get you to a place where you just trust me. Just trust me. Whatever's going on in your life, God wants to get you to that place where you're just going to trust him, trust him tonight. Father, I pray.